Welcome to Consenting Adults, everyone. I'm your host, Lena Wynn. So the second week of our podcast launch was during the RNC, but thanks to a man by the name of Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife, Becky. Oh, and the pool boy? The subject of non-monogamy has been in the news. Now, if you don't know anything about the story, you can look it up. Um, But just basically, it's this evangelist who has now had to resign as president of Liberty University since this sex scandal broke. What's the sex scandal? Well, some call it a sex sin that his wife, Becky, was having a sexual relationship with this young buck, and he reportedly liked to watch them having sex from the corner of the room. Some people think that's awful. And some people think there is absolutely nothing wrong with it because, after all, they're three consenting adults. What they do behind closed doors is really no one else's business. Now, the problem a lot of people have is the lying, the finger pointing, the blackmailing, what many see as the hypocritical um, front that this leader puts on, clearly not practicing what he preaches. Uh, And that's another show, right? But it does stir up a lot of emotions in people. A lot of people have very strong opinions. In fact, one Nathan Hill on my Twitter said this to me. Monogamy is a distribution system men would be foolish to meddle with. Without monogamy, a few alphas might score all the action with the betas having to be content to watch like Falwell. We made a system where most men get a woman— They don't have to share. Why mess with that? Well, we put this out for discussion on Twitter, and uh, we've got responses. I won't go through all of them, but I do want to uh, mention a few of them. Miss L responded by saying monogamy is a synthetic construct. In consensual non-monogamy, you tend to have a primary partner with whom you discuss how one or both, separately or together, may explore their desires and feelings with other consenting adults. Open communication allows this to work. Now, Nathan's comment really struck a nerve with uh, someone who goes by the name of Sapphire Moon, who had a string of replies, and I'm only going to read the last one because I thought it was kind of funny, but Sapphire Moon said, not to mention the wording he uses may be a clue to this gentleman's personality and why he may be afraid of not being able to find a partner. Monogamish marriage also uh, responded by saying swinging offers the best of all worlds, a primary partner, which addresses his distribution, and the connection and sexual variety with others that monogamy doesn't allow. There are all body and personality types in swinging as in life, so even this guy could find someone. So, Nathan, thanks for your comment. Uh, I don't expect everyone to agree with everything on this show, and I, I actually really do appreciate the conversation. So join us on Twitter, at Consent Adults, and thank you, Jerry Falwell, for putting non-monogamy in the news. And speaking of the news, my guest today was a former colleague of mine at CBS in Los Angeles, a great storyteller when it comes to other people. So I turned the tables on her and asked her some pretty personal things. And while there may be film at 11, you won't see this on TV. I was 22, 23 at the time. And How old was he about? He was late 50s. What? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. Get ready. This is Consenting Adults. The conversations you're about to hear are intended for mature audiences. If adult themes are offensive to you, well... 
grow up. So dirty talk, so yeah. sex talk. Yeah, it, it started off as dirty talk. I was actually like very excited to see my partner with somebody else. She looked at me and said, so you want to have sex with other people, that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you find it a turn on to hear about what he did. Yeah, and then it's like, I want to come home and get it the way she got it. Does he know you have a boyfriend? Well, yes. This is Consenting Adults with Lena Wynn. Well, my guest today is a familiar face and voice in Los Angeles, Phoenix, San Antonio, a couple other cities she worked in before uh, becoming a good friend of mine here in Los Angeles. She's a two-time Emmy Award-winning anchor and reporter with a 21-year career. It's Elsa Ramon, everyone, and I'm especially excited about this conversation because uh, it's one thing to talk to someone who, like, no one else knows because they're pretty much anonymous. Even if you tell them your real name, they're an anonymous person. But when it's a public figure, when it's someone other people know but don't know, it's a whole different conversation. You're vulnerable because we're talking about really private things. And then I think it's a different experience for the person at home. So we worked together for how many years at CBS in Los Uh, Angeles? About four years. We only worked together for four years? Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> I know. It went by so fast. I, I thought, was only there four years. Oh, I thought for sure it was much longer than no. that. Wow. <laughs> well, so this speaks volumes to our friendship because we worked together four years. I didn't know her personally. I don't think I'd ever met her before she mm-hmm. started work at KCAL. Nope. And yet I feel closer to you than people I've worked with for 21 years. Oh, thank so you. <laughs> that's, uh, so that should tell you what kind of person Elsa is. Likewise. Likewise. A few years ago... We decided to kind of hang out in the Palm Springs area. Yeah, you asked me to go to Palm Springs for yeah. the weekend. And we really hadn't hung out much before that, right? And so while I was packing, I was really torn. I was like, oh my God, like we're going to hang out by the pool. That's one of the greatest things to do in life. <laughs> and I didn't know what swimsuit to bring. And so I texted her and I said, are you going to bring a one piece or a bikini? And her answer <laughs> was, girl, I don't even own a one piece. <laughs> and I thought... I want to be her when I grow up. It, it is that kind of self-confidence. And I admired you so much for that simple thing. Uh, and I said, okay, I, I can hang with this girl. Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't until after I turned 40 that I had that kind of confidence because, you know, you just become more comfortable with yourself. Hopefully that's the goal. When you become older, you just start realizing there are things that just aren't as important to you as they were when you were in your 20s and even your 30s that caused so much anxiety, like, you know, looking in the mirror and go, well, if I stand this way, I look really good. Or if I stand this way, I look really good. <laughs> I mean, the stupid things like that you do when you're a lot younger. I, You know, we all still look in the mirror and want to look good. But there are things that just aren't as anxiety provoking mm-hmm. as they used to be. So when you asked me that, I totally remember. I just thought, why would I have a one piece? <laughs> I am not going to give into the one piece. To me, giving into the one piece is like giving into a minivan. I'm not, I will never, and I'm sorry to the people who have minivans. I know they're like a, a utility No offense car. to minivans. No, and, and people with tons of kids and dogs or whatever, I get that, but I can't, I just can't give into the one piece. Uh-huh. Well, I loved, you, I loved you from, from I don't own a one piece. <laughs> um, you know, you're talking about after reaching 40 and just having this different perspective of life, how things affect you differently. But not everyone who gets 40 or 50 gets to that point. And I don't know if it's because we work in the industry that we do, that people who are on TV are Mm -hmm. less or whatever. 
we're not sexual beings, right? Because we do the news and No, I'm actually talking about there are so many women who are in their forties who still care so much and get so wigged oh, out oh, oh, that yeah, they yeah. don't they're yeah. not perfect right. in, in their eyes and everyone else's eyes. And um so one thing I really like about you and one thing that I have found about myself, especially actually after quitting working, <laughs> is that you know what? Live for yourself. It's like if you're so worried about what other people are going to think, you're losing out on a lot. You're missing out on a lot, right? A lot, a lot. And I, I really do believe for me, and I think partly for you too, that all these years that we've been doing what we're doing, credibility is a big part of our jobs, oh, right? Sure. And our reputation mm-hmm. on and off the camera, because when people see you in public, whether or not you believe that your public life is private, you're wrong. It's all public life. Even your private life is public, as we see on social media. And I felt oftentimes throughout my career that I couldn't, I had to really mind my P's and Q's and I had to really be careful because being on on set is one thing, but being out in public and having people see you and how you conduct yourself is another. So I was always extra reserved because of that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, so being yep. under 40, being in the profession we're in, I was just this very reserved person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just got tired of that. And then, but then didn't you, didn't it, did it also affect your personal lives? Because like, you know, dating for me oh, yeah. was very difficult. Oh yeah. You, you just couldn't be a regular person yeah. because you're on TV and, and not, not just being on TV. Cause if you were an actor, it kind right, of didn't right, right. matter. <laughs> right. But, but for, be, us it did. for news people, yeah. for journalists, you really do have to watch your reputation yeah. and, and just how others may perceive it, whether or not it be true. So sometimes people see you as the way they see you on the news and they don't see you as being this human being with wants and needs and challenges and and problems like everyone else. Like we walk around with a glam squad and have people (laughs) doing things. Not the case at all. You guys, not not with us. No, I, I, I clean the cat box. I mean, how regular can you get? Okay, so today we're going to talk about aging and sexuality. I know for myself, and I know a lot of people, and I think the general public, when they think of old people. (laughs) (laughs) Like our parents or something. (laughs) Do you remember when 30 sounded old? Oh, my God. I remember being in junior high, trying to figure out the year that I was going to be 28 years old. And I was like, oh, my God. God, that's so far away. I know. And and 28, oh my God, one day I'll be 28 and that's so old. And now I'm thinking, 28 was 20 years ago. <laughs> ah! And 28, doesn't that seem like, oh, child, right? Totally, completely. There are these milestone birthdays, but like for me, 30 came and went, no big deal. Right. 40 came and went, no big deal. I just turned 50 and I'm still thinking, no big deal. It really? just, yeah, it, in fact- I'm thinking, oh my God, you you young people don't even know what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> the best is yet to come, right? Yes, absolutely. I, so I'm 48. I will turn 49 this year in May. But I, I was great with in my 20s. I had obviously when you're 20, you have no sense of uh, reality, your age, your reality, <laughs> you know, all that. When I hit 30, I was totally fine. Was hit my stride, having a good time. And then it wasn't until I hit 40. For some reason, 40 did something to me. And I just was so twisted about it. And it took me like a year to adjust to the fact that I was 40. But then... But what was it? Was it, oh my God, I think I'm actually getting old? I I thought, well, I'm closer 
I'm closer to the end than I am closer to death. (laughs) I know that's terrible to think. That was just such a stupid, short-minded thing to think at that time. But, you know, it took me a while to get used to it and to adjust. So it took about a year to get comfortable in my 40s skin. But once I did, because I had my son when I was uh, 41, just before my 42nd birthday, after that, something just clicked and I was like, you know what? Screw it. Mm -hmm. What's the big deal anymore? And I got over it and realized that what everybody else realizes over 40 that, wow, you're that person who knows so much more, but still has so much left to learn, but you don't feel like you're just this vulnerable person without the tools you need Mm -hmm. to thrive and be happy and succeed. So So there actually, there's got to be a balance. So you can't feel like you know it all. No. Because God God knows you don't. (laughs) You'll get smacked down in a second, right? right? Life has a way of doing that. Um, Yet you have this sense of wisdom. You have this sense of, okay, I can take care of myself. Right. And I'll be able to handle whatever comes my way. And yet you still feel like I'm learning new things. I'm finding new things, especially about yourself, um, that gives you this drive, that gives you this passion to, and I know it's a stupid saying, we're all saying, you know, live your best life, but we actually are. Yes. And isn't that amazing? Yes, which we couldn't relate in our earlier years. But I feel like now... There's a point where I reach where I'm like, the things that really gave me anxiety at a younger age just don't affect me like that anymore. And I'm really grateful for that because who wants to live life that way, worrying so much about every little detail and what people think? It's really such a gift. It's it's so freeing. And the thing is, it's it's not like we've let ourselves go. No, there's a difference. There's <laughs> a, a difference. A huge difference. Yeah, yeah. The not caring isn't like, Okay, that's it. We're we're done, and we're yeah, not eating pizza and drinking right, wine right. every single so, night. No, <laughs> no, we're we're taking care of ourselves, but we're doing it for a completely different reason. Right. Now, we're not doing it for anyone else. See, it's when you're doing stuff for, for yourself, yes. and that includes sex. Yep. Before I'm with the person I'm with now, I just felt like there was just so many people who were just so not only selfish lovers, but I allowed that because it's a two way street. You can point the finger all you want and say, "Oh, he was just so selfish to me," and all. But I also didn't have the confidence to demand or let somebody know that this is what I want. This is what I need. I wasn't secure enough with myself. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Women who are strong, women who are independent, women who are beautiful, women who are successful, all of which you are. <laughs> Thank- Other people can't imagine you not being able to voice your unhappiness. Right. And yet... In our private lives, we all do this weird thing in our heads where we don't think we're worth what we're worth. Right. We're, I mean, we're, we're human and mm-hmm. we're women and we're just like everybody else. And that we have a persona during our careers and when we're on camera. I wouldn't say I'm very different than I was on camera, but Mm-mm. my private life, my sexual life, I just didn't have the tools that I needed to be able to speak up and say, I'm worthy to say to this person, this is what I want, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And if you can get over that, no matter what age you are, hats off to you if you're in your 20s and 30s and you can say, this is what I want, this is what I need. I envy, I bow down to you because it <laughs> took me a lot longer. Yep. But again, I think it was the influences of our career mm-hmm. and having to be so concerned about our reputation and- Being proper. And yes, being proper and being so caught up in that. But I think for you and I too, it was 
a cultural influence. Mm-hmm. For me, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Having a Latino father who was extremely strict and had very strict views on sexuality and how his daughter should be and all that kind of stuff, that fucked with my head yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Vietnamese. We're, we're not supposed to have right. sex. <laughs> right. You don't have sex. You just appear. <laughs> you guys just pop up. Boy, I went from good daughter to you're getting old. When are you going to have kids for me? I know. You know? <laughs> Well, got a lot of girlfriends with a lot of guy problems. And I always say this, you only allow yourself to be treated the way you're treated. So once someone treats you wrong, doesn't treat you right, it is up to you to do something about it. Right. And, And we've all been there. It took me a while to accept that essentially it's my fault too, because you could have somebody treat you so poorly And be either mentally or physically abusive or whatever the case may be. But if you allow it, it's a two-way street. And you continue with that person and you marry that person. You're marrying what you already know. That None of that's going to change. Nope. So you have to take some of the responsibility. Yes, it gets worse. I can tell you 100%. It gets way worse. Mm -hmm. And you have to take responsibility for that too. You mentioned, you know, divorce. Yes. Okay. When you're getting into your, you know, 40s and 50s, a lot of us have dealt with divorce. So dating after divorce, I mean, I've heard horror stories and I've also heard stuff like, man, I've never had this much fun. What was it like for you? It was a little bit of both, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't say horror stories, but there were some dates where I was like, oh God, I... Was it tiring? Seriously? Yeah, tiring, (laughs) which is when I totally cut it back because I see a lot of people that I know dating for the sake of dating. They feel they have to line up, you know, three times a week. They have to have a date (laughs) and have someone to go out with. But to me, I find that so exhausting, like putting yourself out there and it's like going to a job interview that many times a week. I just wanted quality, not quantity. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, I think I met some nice people. Did you meet them online? Because I, I think people our age actually have more success meeting people online than than the young Tinder people who just, you know, they're just- Oh, absolutely. Them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I met them online. I did online dating only. There was only one person that I met, just met, I guess you'd say naturally. Right. <laughs> um, I was out with friends and met him and we dated for a little bit, but it wasn't anything mm-hmm. uh, serious. But online was the best because I felt like, you know, it was kind of a pre-screening process. I hate to sound so unromantic about it, but it kind of was. And then when you meet them in person, you get to see if they were what you thought. And sometimes they surprise you that they're better than what you thought, Uh, you know? Lucky you. But, which is the case, uh, I'm in now, we've been dating for almost a year and we met on Uh a great app. (laughs) And it's been absolutely fantastic because he's 52, I'm 48. And I think we've both gotten to points in our lives where we're like, I'm not trying to impress you. This is my life. This is what it is. This is how many kids I have. If you want to be with me, this is all of it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't do any good to hide it. Just be you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were younger, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be easy. I'm going to make him wait. I, well, actually, I don't know. Did you make guys wait when you were younger? <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. Uh, yes. Like I had this one month rule, <laughs> which is, I don't know. And maybe, I don't know. I did. Now, D- Dave, I'm the guy I'm dating now, who's absolutely awesome. I, I broke the rule. It was a little shorter than my one month rule. But, you know, I felt like we both felt like that. We were at, again, this point in our lives where we're not trying to impress each other. We both are equally successful on our own. 
No more games. Oh, God. The second I detected I felt somebody wanted to play games, gone. I have no problem. I had no problem kicking people to the curb now. I just have – I don't have patience for that anymore. Mm -hmm. My marriage took all my patience away. (laughs) I have this much in the tank now, which, you know, except for my kids, of Mm -hmm. course. Okay, so let's then move on to the, uh, you know, one-month rule or however long it took you guys. Sex after 40. If you haven't hit 40 yet – I'm sure you've heard horror stories, right? People hear it all the time. It's like people who are younger than us think it's over. What you're going to find, actually, is that once you hit 40, when you're at this stage in your life, man, you're having fun. You've got more free time to actually take for yourself. I had Kayla when I was 39. Um, So we both, because of our career, had children a little bit later. But in the early years... It's like, it's really hard to be mom and then be like some sex kitten. You know, it's just, it was very difficult to separate the two. Don't you think? Yeah. Uh, like your boobs were like there to breastfeed your kids. Oh They're not there to please anybody. God, you know what it was like? Please yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. There was a lot of pleasing yourself because there was just no time for anything else. You know, sex after kids. And then it's even harder when you have a full-time career. Like we did having to work nights. It's it's difficult to balance all that. It can really wreak some havoc mm-hmm. if you let it. Right. And so after we reached forty, um, it was it wasn't up the hill. It was like climbing stairs, but it was like with each step, you <laughs> felt like, hey, I'm getting somewhere. Right. With each step, you would find something new. I mean, growing old physically kind of sucks sometimes. I don't know if you, like, there are days when I'm getting up out of bed and I'm like, whoa, wait a second, what the hell? (laughs) And it's a slow, you don't jump out of bed and it takes you a couple minutes and then you got to have your coffee. And yeah, so there are days like that. Oh, sure. Look, you know, your body ages. Yep. You got to give it a little time. Um, Now, in the bedroom... As you're older, do you think, does it take a little more time to get going? Does it? No? <laughs> really? Maybe I'm deranged. I don't know. <laughs> no, um, it depends. Like like anything in life, depending on the stresses of the day, right? Uh, yeah. Dave and I, I think for both of us, the chemistry has been the best for us that it's ever been with anyone we've ever been with. Nice. That I think it really helps. It also helps that we've only been together for about a year. You're still in the honeymoon stage. Right. <laughs> but but I think that just the type of person I am sexually, if I'm that invested, it's much easier for me. But sure. But yes. It, so do you mean emotionally? Yes. Emotionally invested okay. leads to, for me, major physically invested in that mm. other person. So mm-hmm. it's... And because Dave and I have our own lives and careers and everything. We don't always get to see each other all the time. So when we do, it's like we get to take advantage of right. that. So you know? there's there's some missing involved, right? You're like you miss yes, him. Is yes, that a yes. nice feeling yeah. to miss somebody? I love it. I love it. <laughs> we text each other all the time when we can't see each other. But yes, it's too. Our, my parents and my kids oh, and I his know kids. It must sound like, ew. Oh, they're totally like, oh my God, I'm going outside. You two disgust me. <laughs> right. I'm not proud that, that I ended up divorcing. That is something I never want it culturally, personally. It's why I waited so long to get married. We remained great friends. We never fought. We didn't have problems, but it was, you know, him also being in the business, not seeing each other. And I always used to joke, oh, yeah, it's great. We don't see each other. That's why it's lasted this long. (laughs) It's all bullshit because you need time with someone. Yes, yes. You talked about chemistry. To me, like chemistry and passion, you need it. Mm -hmm. And once it's 
gone. Oh, yeah. You can't get it back. Yeah. I, I You don't grow I passion. Yeah. I've never been able to switch it back on nope. once that was chipped away. Right. I can't go back to an ex ever. Oh, no. I've not. Uh uh-uh. uh. And there once are women ex, who do you that. Are, uh, uh, once you're ex, in my book, you are ex. Right. <laughs> like Lizzo says, only exes that I care about are in my fucking chromosomes. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines of her songs. But yes. I remember a time where I, I went back to an ex. I wasn't seeing anyone else. And what really struck me was, oh, he, he smells different to me. Like when we were together, the scent of whoever I was with always drove me crazy. Like it's like mm, the pheromones, right? <laughs> their scent, their natural scent, plus the whatever. Right. Or whatever. And then once it was done and I came back to him, it, it just struck me. It's like, he smells different to me now. He didn't smell bad. bad. No, no, no. He didn't smell bad. It smelled different. And it was, I was very, very aware of that. I have a very sensitive, no, I smell everything. <laughs> so that's one of your stronger senses. I can't say that that played a major factor in the past, but it's so funny you say that because with Dave, he doesn't really wear cologne. Mm-hmm. Um, but his scent to me in his shirts Does and sweaters, oh my God, I love it. When I'm coming upstairs to his room at his house, I can smell just his scent before I way before I even get to the room. It's the weirdest thing because that's right. never happened. Yeah. Are you a visual person? Totally. Like, really? I'm total visual and touch. But for Do you some, have sex with the lights on? Yes. On, off, however it happens. <laughs> Medium, lamps, candles, whatever. <laughs> I've always been kind of, I mean, doesn't it be completely dark? It's just, I don't know if it's from just culturally or how I was raised, but when I changed my clothes, I used to ask my husband to turn around. I'm just not. Yep. <laughs> I, I can't. I think it's cultural too, mm-hmm. because my parents, they were, you know, very typical salt of the earth, Latino people. I always thought it was weird that my mother would kick my dad out of the room so she could change or she'd go into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. He couldn't come in there if she was showering <laughs> or, you know, she would never go to the bathroom in front of God forbid. I mean, just none of this stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, talking about sex and aging then. Are you looking forward to menopause? You're not, me- you're not menopausal, no, are you? No, not, not at all. My mom was really late. So I guess, you know, apparently yeah, I've always heard you right. sort of really uh, genetically follow your mom. But I I don't know. I'm kind of torn because every month I'm like, God, I just wish this would freaking go away. <laughs> right. But at the same time, my OBGYN tells me, she says, no, no, your period's a good thing. It protects your heart and protects this and it protects that. So I'm kind of torn. Mm-hmm. But- you know, ask me at that time of the month and I'll say, God, I wish this just freaking go away. Uh-huh. <laughs> have you heard or do you have friends uh, who've gone through it and, you know, they're talking about not only the hot flashes and all that other stuff, but sexually, some women, their libido takes a hike. They don't care anymore. They don't want sex. And that becomes a problem because men still do. Right. Their husbands still do. And I think that that's the reason people end up in open marriages or cheating or right. whatever, because the woman just no longer wants it. Um, neither of us are at that stage. Oh, <laughs> I, thankfully. Right. But when you do get to that stage, and especially now with the medical advances that, that we have, there's help for women. You know, there's um, hormonal treatments, but there's also, if you don't have a libido anymore, there's medical help for women to get it back. I would do it in a heartbeat if that happened. Right. And I, I, would I, I wouldn't so have a problem. I would not have a problem mm-hmm. going to my doctor saying, hey, 
<laughs> something's changing. Give me something. <laughs> right? There's a lot available to men. And finally, there's more stuff available to women to help us along when we get there. We've done everything from crime to medical stories or whatever. Yeah. Over the years, realizing how skewed medical research is towards men. Yeah, absolutely. What, you know, how this drug affects men. especially white, white men. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is exactly what we are, right? Right? We're two white men, middle-aged white men. <laughs> So now that's obviously changing, you know, people are finally starting to look at this stuff saying, hey, women are sad too when our libido goes. It's not just men who have erectile dysfunction or problems sexually. We want to do it too. Right. And well, (laughs) and the thing is, so it's, it's the, I don't want it anymore. That is a lot more difficult to talk to your doctor about rather than a man saying, I can't get it up. Right. The problems that men and women have are different and we just need to recognize that the problems that women have are important and something needs to be done to help women along. Otherwise, you're just going to continue having men cheating on their wives and going for younger women. And Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you're cheating on your wife, there's something wrong with that. Oh, sure. Of of course. You know, it's always comes down to something being missing. I've always read when someone goes astray. And sex is a- It's huge. It's, it's a, huge, It's though. a small- I think it's a small part of the marriage, but it becomes the biggest thing in the world when you're not getting it. When you're- any. Right. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> or there's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes front and center. But it's the thing that connects, you know? Otherwise, what do you have? A roommate? Right. That's the thing that separates us from all the other men that we know in our lives who are friends and colleagues and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There was a day in the office, I don't know if you recall this, someone did a story on, I don't even know who it was, one of our reporters did a, some kind of sex story for a sweeps period, and they brought back goodies, and there was like lube and like toys yep, and yep. wraps. I, and, I remember, and I remember who it was and all that kind of stuff, and oh, really? I was really bummed because, because everybody you got, there late. got there late, and everybody got all, got all the free swag, you know, <laughs> from the sex story that she did. It was like, there were like games and oh, things like that. that, like just... Things that were made sex interactive and, and I, oh. and, but all that stuff was gone. She had a bunch of little things to give away to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I was bombed. I missed it. Well, well, when I got to the box, all that was left was uh, lube. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> you know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have said tube of lube? Oh, there, there weren't tubes. They're little samples. Oh, samples. So which, that's gone. Uh, well, no, but which, which actually is very good for traveling. Oh. Speaking of traveling, have you ever? Yes. What? <laughs> Wait, okay. I could have, I probably jumped the gun. The vibrator in the suitcase? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's happened to you? Um, I've had the TSA go through my bag. Oh, no. Yep. And I'm just standing there like, oh. Well, well, wait a second. Why did they, so what did they see? This was years ago. So it was my checked bag or bag that I was going, going to, check to check in. in. Uh-huh. And I was standing there going, oh, my God, panicking. I was in my 30s. And I was panicking, freaking the F out and going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And he's going through it. And there it is in the suitcase. And you know what? I bet it happens all the time. And that's exactly what I told myself. I'm like, okay, this can't be the first one that he's seen. He's probably seen a bunch of them. And Was it just a vibrator? Yeah, it was just a vibrator. And I just stood there and I was just kind of like, well, it is what it is. <laughs> there it is. And that was it. And after that, I, I really just had to tell myself, I'm not the first, I'm not the last. Right. I can't imagine what else they're going to see in people's checked luggage. Have you seen the pranks that people do where a friend will put a huge dildo? <laughs> no, but that's awesome. 
I'm going to do that. A huge, like, you know, two foot long dildo. <laughs> I'm going to do that to my brother's luggage. And, exactly. <laughs> Wait, and, and isn't your brother like a sheriff's deputy yeah, or a cop or something? he's a deputy. That's I awesome. I love it. I'm doing it. He won't hear this. <laughs> and this is the carry-on luggage. So they have to go through TSA and everyone's got to stand there, right? While they're Oh, my God. <laughs> I have, though, put fetish magazines in his bag. Oh, speaking of fetish, do you have any? I don't know if this would be considered really a fetish anymore because there's so many- So normalized now? What is it? I like tying up. You like being tied up? Yeah. I like to be the subservient one. You know, I recently talked to someone who said the person who's being tied up, that person is actually the person who's in control. Okay, why? Because you're the one who is saying, I want you to do this to me. Oh. I want this and this. And then I want you to stop if I say that. Do you, do you have a safe, do you safe word? word? No, don't have a safe. You don't word. have a safe word. I don't think I do anything that's so unsafe that I, <laughs> that I need a safe word at this point. I just I do enjoy that though. A little bit of like hand struggle, that man woman, you know, power uh-huh. of the male dominance of, over female. I mean, you know, there are people who have all kinds of ways. There are men who love dominatrix, uh-huh, you right. know, women. And I just, I, I'm not, the, I'm not that way. I like it the other way around, but I never thought of it as me being in control. Yeah. And the person who told me this is a certified intimacy coach. All right. This is good. And I'd like to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> are, are there any sexual kinks that you just don't get? Like, like, okay. I don't get any kind of bathroom related type okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, no, you know no, what no, I mean? no, 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 the two girls one cup thing. No, wait, wait, <laughs> two girls one cup. What the heck's that? What? Oh my god, you haven't seen this is years old. I, all I have to say is it's really graphic and it involves the people who are into the whole defecation oh, thing. Okay, 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 so you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. I definitely no. not into anything like that. But I also don't want to bash people who are no into that bash because- them. That's weird. <laughs> what the hell? I'm a little bit more forgiving than Lena, but I, not that I want to be part of it. But I, yeah, it's no. no, definitely, it will never, mm. it will never happen with me. Mm-mm. So anything bathroom related, I don't get. Um, <laughs> I don't judge. I don't think I really know anyone who's who is into that. At least no one has told me. Right? You never know. <laughs> you never. And know. that's the thing that I'm learning is that behind closed doors, you don't really ever know what anyone's doing. For instance, you and I talking about what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think people who watched us on the news would be, imagine that imagine Elsa that, likes to be tied up? Everybody. I like to be tied up and I, you know, I kind of like, the, you know, a, a little spank on the ass and, you know, a little bit of a, you know, my man being overpowering. Mm-hmm. Hell no. And there's probably going to be people who are like, oh, you know, besides my parents who I, they'll, they'll never find this. They can barely operate their phone. But, but yeah, I'm sure you just have an image of people. Right. And it's not always what you think. Not at all. In fact, I think most people are much more fun than you think they are, (laughs) right? Probably. Yeah. Okay. So your only kink is uh, liking to be tied up. Yeah. I I don't know if I find that kinky anymore. No, that's kind of vanilla now, isn't it? I kind of see that as vanilla. I don't know. You tell me otherwise, but I I really feel like that's it. There are people who uh, like to be choked. Okay, yeah, no. No, not me either. <laughs> um, there are people, you like a smack on the ass, but there are people who like like it kind of strong. Oh, I, yes. Where I've, I mean, like where they actually punch each other. I'm like, wait a minute. Where did no. that become arousing? But I, again, I can't tell people what is right. hot and or what, what is, is normal not, or, or, what, or not. I think that... The more you experiment and the more you experience 
the more you need. I have friends who are powerful and wealthy, and the stuff that I hear them do, I'm like, you know what? Only you rich people do this kind of weird <laughs> stuff. Like, for instance, straight men, I've always known them to be straight. They believe they're straight, and yet they do things like they'll get a blowjob from a guy. But see, and that are they really straight? On. See, but that's- Are they really straight? Not that there's anything wrong with it, but what's the harm then in saying you're bi? You prefer women, but every once in a while, I mean, I think that- To me, bi is having emotional- feelings for the same sex, you know? Not just the act. No, because if, if it's just the act, then I think it's more like try. Okay, like, okay. I'll try this. <laughs> I'll try maybe, that. Maybe so. I don't know. I guess, you know, I- Because I, it's it's more of a of an identification, like identi- identify as straight, identify as gay, identify as bi. And I think there are people who just sexually experiment without having any kind of emotional anything to the same sex. That's true. I guess they just see it as- Someone's just a sexual thing. An act. Mm-hmm. If people are comfortable with that, well, boy, they have a lot of options. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the person I'm thinking about in particular, so I've known him for decades and um, always been with women, but has told me about these different experiences he's had with men. And he said it was, well, he did say the word fabulous. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. That's what that's that's a key indicator right there. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. But then was also interested in like she males and transvestites. And always needed something weirder. Do you think that's though just part of having so much excess money that there is nothing that is enough? That's what I'm saying. Because, yeah, I'm saying it, people who are rich and powerful always need more to stimulate them. So is that is that truly freedom, sexual freedom, or is it... I don't know. I would just like to have as much money as I could to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had so much money. I needed that much king. I'd like to do the research. <laughs> but I really do think that social status, I think, has a lot to do with the different things that people are into sexually, I think. I could see that. Okay, so we talked about being tied up. There are things that I don't find exciting at all. So the, the, none of the bathroom stuff. You know, you like a smack on the ass. I, you know, to me that just doesn't. You know, <laughs> You're like great, thanks. <laughs> what else that you just, got? You know, um, I had a friend who hooked up with a guy, and he smacked her on the ass, and she told me about it. I'm like, yeah, so, You're right. <laughs> She says, no, I mean, it was so hard she saw stars. Oh my God, no. Okay, no, I don't want it, I don't want it like that. But again, for some people, that's what they need. Right. I thought for sure that'd be the end of it. No. So she starts doing research on BDSM because oh. she's finding, okay. Although she would uh, wake up the next day with like black and blue boobs because <laughs> he was so rough, you know? Oh my gosh. Nah, see, that's too much for me. I think the fantasy part of BDSM, like what you saw on the the uh, watered-down version of Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. To me, that looks exciting. Mm-hmm. Not the pain and the bruising. Can you understand how someone might go from where you are now to, okay, then, because you keep on pushing the line, right? I, yeah, I sure. I mean, Dave and I haven't gotten to that point because we're really satisfied right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't need to rock the boat or anything. But I imagine there will be a time where... There, we have to find things that have to help keep the passion alive, which is different than love. So right, absolutely. love is there, but you know, you got to work at that too. Right. Uh, so sex and love don't have to go hand in hand, right? Of course not. Uh, but Good sex. Yes. Yeah. Good sex without love is okay? 
for possible? a lot of people, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I believe the same thing. You know. There are people who say, you know, they really can't enjoy it unless they're really in love with a person. To me, that sounds like a 25-year-old girl talking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's very idealistic. What do you think about sex for money, money for sex? I think they call it contractual sex, maybe? Uh, sex workers? There are sexual workers where that's like how they earn their living. And then there's like, I guess you call them freelancers. I don't know what you call them. It's not how they make their oh, okay. a living. So it just, maybe they have a sugar daddy. Uh, or, I see. Okay. Or maybe she, cougar woman oh, who's got, okay. who is okay. of means, has a young guy right, right, and doesn't right. mind paying him or inviting a cub over. To- yep. <laughs> Getting him a car or whatever. Sure. Just like men have been doing for younger women for centuries. Centuries. Yeah. Um, Your thoughts on that? I I have no problem with it. It's not your life. And if it doesn't impact you, why do you care? If somebody wants to exchange what they have for something in return, you talk about sugar daddies or a cougar or a sex worker. Mm Mm-hmm. Let them do it. If if it doesn't affect your life, it's really none of your business. Now, there was a time, probably when I was younger, where I was so anti that. I always saw it as, oh, gold diggers or men who are only (laughs) after trophy uh, girlfriends or whatever. And yes, that's what it is. (laughs) It is. However, I think that as I get older and the more people I meet and the more like situations I hear of, you know, there might be another possibility. So they have an agreement. Sure. She's getting something out of it. He's getting something out of it. No one's being hurt. And I used to be, as a younger person, the person who judged that. Oh, and, I did too. And, and now, yeah, it's like, if you're not hurting anybody, if you're doing it of your own free will, what's the big More deal? More power to you. I think also our views, as we get older, we realize more how the world works. Mm-hmm. Like it or not. Yep. If there is an exchange for something and both parties are happy, who are you to say exactly right or wrong? Do you find that the sex that you're having now is completely different from the sex that you had when you were younger? 100%. Not even close. Really? I never asked for what I needed, what I wanted, uh, faked orgasms oh. all the time. Do you remember the first time you had an orgasm with a partner? Yes. I just graduated from college and I met this older man. Mm. Um I was 22, 23 at the time. And how old was he about? He was late 50s. What? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. And um, I was very intrigued by him because he was just this very confident man. He wasn't slimy or he was a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a sugar daddy. It wasn't that kind of arrangement type of thing. It was really just one of those like, you know, young girl learning about herself. He was old fashioned. He'd, we'd go out to a nice dinner and talk and then we'd go back to his, he was Isn't wealthy that st- guy. Wait, hold on a second. He's old fashioned. We went out to dinner. Isn't that so sad to I have know. to say that? Oh, I know. You know, now all you have to do is swipe right. and go, okay, come on over. I'm right. Take some of the fun out of it personally for me, but right. he was the first person that I actually ever experienced an orgasm with. Was it during intercourse? No. I couldn't. It normally doesn't. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Most women will tell you that. You just straight intercourse isn't going to do it. The first time you had an orgasm was with this older guy yeah. and using a sex toy? Yeah. 
Um, wow. So you introduce toys uh, with a partner at a, at a young age. Yeah. I mean, that is something that I don't think most women are comfortable in doing until they're like our age now. Right. Um, but- and it's also a time when men are more comfortable with it because a 20-something, even 30-something-year-old guy, you bring a toy into the bedroom and they are threatened. Yes. In all fairness, if you were a 20 or 30-something-year-old guy and you take a look at the rabbit, wouldn't you be also threatened by that? Because, you know, you can't do that. Well, yes. <laughs> so uh, any last words on growing old? Don't be afraid. And don't think of it as growing old. I don't think of it as growing old at all. Don't you feel like you're just still that same person who is 30? Just better. You yeah, feel I, seasoned. Yeah. I right? just don't. You know, everyone all these says all these cliche sayings like life's a journey and, you know, embrace it and blah, blah, blah. But it's true. This is a journey. And if you choose to enjoy it, I think life will be a lot better. I guess that's with anything. But especially sex. Oh, especially sex. <laughs> Don't wait as long as I did to be comfortable with yourself because I feel like I lost all those years, but I'm making up for it now. That's Emmy Award-winning TV journalist Elsa Ramon telling it like it is. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm your host, Lena Wynn. Coming up next time on Consenting Adults, she's a school social worker who says she'll have her cake and eat it too. Both of us would prefer um, another girl because I'm selfish and I can, I can have the guy and the girl at the same time. Um, and it's actually pretty hard to find. That's next time on Consenting Adults. <laughs>